0: Welcome to the Brain Trust Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Bloomfield, whether you're a leader, a coach, a salesperson, or even a parent. This podcast focuses on how to leverage the science of decision making to help you become a more impactful communicator and a driving force for change. Well, welcome back to the Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Bloomfield. Um, today, we've got a very different type of guest on our podcast. He's someone that um, I've admired a little bit from afar, mostly because as an old farm boy myself, I'm jealous in a lot of ways of this dude's flat out skills and Uh, You might be familiar with our guest today, Jordan Jonas, and no, he's not that Jonas brother. He's a different Jonas brother, one with actually even more skills than the the, 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 the the Jonas brothers you might be familiar with. Uh, Jordan won season six of the television show Alone on the History Channel, where they basically dropped him out of the helicopter with a bunch of other people in a different area, and he had to survive, and whoever survived the longest wins. So that's like fun. So Jordan, welcome. Thank you for being on the Driving Change podcast today.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, and I'll try to compete with those other Jonas brothers on the the singing, but I don't (laughs) know.
0: Well, that was gonna be my next question as do, do you do you play an instrument? can you sing? do you play an instrument? yeah, yeah, <laughs> you probably could make a guitar out of a piece of tree and some twine uh, I playing it's a different story, but yeah <laughs> so, so here's what we usually do. uh we start with our guest, and one of the things that that I love to know is someone's origin story is to go back and say, you know the Jordan Jonas that we see today obviously arrived here through a very different path and each person arrives from. We have a lot of people in our lives who influence us from the people that we never got to meet in our family lineage, all the way to the people in our lives who influenced us. So tell everybody a little bit about your backstory that led you to be who you are today and kind of why you do what you do.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting question. I, I, uh, uh, well in my personal life, I was born in, uh, Illinois, but I pretty early on moved out to Idaho and grew up also on a farm out in Idaho. And, uh, but, you know, as, as you do when you grow up on a farm, you learn a lot of the relevant skills you need in life pretty young. And then uh, I ended up riding freight trains with my brother when I was probably 18 to you know to 20, rode around the country and got some unique experiences doing that, just hobo style. And then I also, uh, but I also got to say, I, I'm pretty connected to, you know, where my family came from and my uh, the stories of my family's past my grandparents and stuff have uh, you know impacted me a lot as does even just reading history and I'm pretty interested in history and the lessons we can learn from it uh my grandparents on my my dad's parents were uh Assyrians and lived through the whole Armenian genocide thing it had pretty powerful stories as far as um my grandma had six of her eight siblings, you know, uh, or six of her seven siblings die right in front of her in the desert as they were out on a death march, wow. you know, and her her mom collapsed. So it was just her and her sister left. And they picked her mom up, basically, and told her to, like, keep going. You got to keep going, Mom, because her their youngest sister had died and her mom was, like, ready to give up. Basically, they dragged her to her feet and dragged her on and eventually came across the a uh, British Army camp and were kind of saved, you know, and uh, same type of thing happened to my grandfather where he saw his dad, you know, burned alive and then his sister disappeared and, you know, he was ended up just being an orphan that got taken in by Jesuits in Iraq, you know, and he, uh, uh but knowing those stories and then knowing who they were as people, although I didn't know them personally because they died before my time, but All their kids were my 11 aunts and uncles and dad, you know, and they're just great, happy people that didn't harbor hate. You know, there was no that wasn't the thing that drove them in life. But they were all very and are those that are still left of really resilient and loving people, which is a cool trait to carry through just one generation removed from such trauma, you know.
0: Wow. I mean. That's so amazing to me is we, you know, we live in such a culture today where we have everything. I mean, people throw a temper tantrum if they can't connect to Wi-Fi, right? And, and
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's oh, that perspective,
0: huh? Is it- you have a little bit of an unfair advantage. It sounds like you have resilience and perspective baked into your genes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally. Oh, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's got to be deep. I don't know. They, uh, yeah, it, uh, it is. It's a big part of even when I was young, you know, I would read I think the first main real book I read, I was probably 13 and it was a big war memoir about Iwo Jima and, you know, the storming of the beaches and stuff. And to me, it was a fascinating to, to read what people endured. And I continued to do that as I grew up, you know, just, uh, it was a lot out, you know, the Gulag Archipelago was an impactful book to me, uh, when I was younger and, uh, a lot of you know a lot of those stories that do give you perspective that is crucial, and it and it it actually really helps you have more gratitude for what we do have because we're so easy to forget, right? <laughs> yeah, I
0: think man, you're touching on so many great things. I think that you know we talk a lot to to our clients and the people we coach and everything around how to how to really be aligned to your beliefs and understand. Oh, yeah. uh, and I'm not talking about necessarily you know religious or political, but those those grounded kind of universal human beliefs that allow us to have the kind of attitude that creates the environment for us to pursue our purpose, right? Otherwise, we can we can get we can just sit around and sulk all day around what's wrong. Nah. That's not really helping anybody. And one of the things that I was excited about having you on is we talk a lot about mindset. And it doesn't matter what you're trying to do in life, whether you're trying to coach your kids little league team or or lead a, a Fortune 100 organization, mindset is everything. And the people that win between the years tend to be the people that win at life. And and one of those things that you've proven just repeatedly, not just on the show alone, is your ability to win between the ears. And I want to dive into that a little bit because I think what I love about the Alone Show is really it's a microcosm of what the human psyche has to be willing to do to survive when you're completely isolated from any other stimulus of human beings. Right. And so if you don't have the right mindset, you're going to die. And you can see it on the show, right? There's some people that just within a few, a few hours, but let alone a few days, they just start to freak out. Right. Um, and so many people have been quarantined and isolated here in the last nine months. They're starting to be like, hey, this I'm living this in my house. Um, <laughs> but, but talk a little bit about just in general, what you've learned about the mindset and how you've been able to create a mindset of positivity, optimism, gratitude, resilience, all these things I want to get into with you. Like, what do you do every day? That, you know, I know some people are just wired that way. Yeah. But My guess is you've developed it. As well
1: yeah it's everybody's wired that you know one way or another to some degree but you can always move in the direction you want you know and <laughs> even if you start you know fairly depressed or whatever it may be you can always move in a more positive direction um the the i, I tend to be wired with a fairly positive outlook on things but uh as you go through things, if you're like, you were talking about earlier, if your foundations aren't kind of in place and you don't know why you're doing what you're doing and things like that, you can get knocked off track pretty easily. Um, yeah, I, uh, it's such a, it's such a large question. I could just go on, but you know, on a, on a a day to day, if I try to specify it down to say that's uh, alone, you know, where I was out, There by myself, it really does strip away all the distractions, and you are stuck with your mental approach. (laughs) I mean, there are, you know, your men, you don't have any phone to go to, any news to read, or any work to dive into, you know, specifically. But um, that said, I I did find it was very helpful to um, stay productive and active in life, you know, even so if you're in quarantine and things like that, I imagine. The same lessons apply where I, after I did a like, spoiler alert or whatever, but after I did shoot the moose and I had all the meat taken care of, you know, that uh, I thought, well, I should probably save calories and just sit here, you know, and relax. And I found out really quickly that that's not mentally sustainable. <laughs> so so I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be continue to just go forward, be productive. And um, sure enough, you know, that, that definitely helps uh we were talking already a bit about having perspective so i think so many of us you know get lost in our own little struggles you know we all have our own things going on and but we lose that track of what we do have and the gratitude we do have and it's almost universal that we all have so much to be thankful for even people in rough situations that was another thing i learned very very clearly from my dad who had uh you know, he was successful. Worked his job, did all that, but then he, you know, he had diabetes. Ended up losing both his legs over the courses of the years. You know, as a thing that dragged on. Lost his job because he didn't have his legs, and then he lost his hand movement in his hands. Back kind of crushed, so he like, uh, was in a lot of pain constantly, and it was just amazing. You know, I could hear him at night groaning and moaning with pain, but then you'd go in in the morning, and he'd be like, "Hey, Jordan, and happy to see you," and you know, like really encouraging and positive. And you're like, wow, that's, you know, that's somebody that had a lot to complain about, buddy. <laughs> but he, wow. but he maintained a positive perspective and, and knew, you know, this was a lesson I saw him learn, the, you know, it was not an easy quick lesson, but that his worth was not tied up in his productivity even. So even when he lost the ability to be productive, he was, like the really encouraging and loving father that we still, you know, that we, and I still, you know, garnered so many lessons from him, even in his incapacitated state, you know, it was, uh, so having that perspective where it's like, Oh, I can be upset. Cause. You know, I just missed that shot on the moose or whatever, right. <laughs> you know, like or whatever, whatever your Wi-Fi is not connecting or you're right. And you just really need to step back. and And there's so many ways to gain that perspective and grab hold of the gratitude for what you have. And I think it's very important.
0: Well, but I think that the being able to do it in the moment is the key, right? Yeah, yeah. Because if you can do it in the moment, and we talk a lot about not to go nerdy neurons here, but <laughs> you, you yeah. know when you when you when you do something repeatedly, your neurons fire and they start to yeah. wire together and it creates a new pathway in your brain and so I think about that a lot, yeah.
1: Cuz it is like it even jokingly I've noticed, you know, if I jokingly get mad about something a lot, I'll notice that it starts to become a, a habit and I'm just like, "Oh, you know, and then when it happens, you actually get mad about something. He's like, whoa, I, you know, careful which neural pathways you're Yeah, find. you just did that you know?
0: to yourself. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is an, it's an interesting idea. Huh?
0: Yeah. So your dad, boy, I'll tell you, man, what a fa- you need to write a book about just your fa- just your family, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it a bit, yeah.
0: And maybe, uh, maybe I'll give you a title, The Path to Perspective, right? Let's, let's, right <laughs> there it's, you go. It's got to have the word perspective in it, Jordan, because you... you in some ways, you could say you got lucky. You have so much perspective in your life. Right, that, that's a good way for anyone out there who's struggling right now to look at and say, hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z, or I've had A, B, and C experiences. But on the bright side, look at the perspective I've gained mm-hmm. so that I can be grateful for what I do have, right?
1: Yeah, we were, like I was blessed, right, with the really good father to show as an example and and you know right. things like that in family history. But that's not the only place you gain perspective. You also gain it from, experience, you know, and, and making it through situations and you gain it through well, wisely, you know, it'd be wisest to gain it from others, you know, which you can do by yeah. reading and by, uh, <laughs> you know,
0: well, what I love what your life has done in some ways, you've been a little bit like a survivalist Forrest Gump, right? Where you, <laughs> <laughs> you've had so many different experiences in different ways. <laughs> but what I love about it is, is, is you, you read a lot from a, from a young age, because reading transports us to almost our brains don't always even know the difference subconsciously that we're not experiencing the things we read physically. Mm-hmm. So that's one perspective that people out there just need to read more. But secondly, you, you did some things that a lot of people are afraid to do. You put yourself out there. You went right. to, uh, uh, yeah. you went on a you went on a hobo quest for crying out loud. <laughs> right? You were riding uh, the rails uh, of a train just for the experience and I think yeah. in life. So, so let's talk just for a few minutes about what were the one or two most surprising or funny or shocking things you experienced when you were riding the rails? Oh man! Uh, you, got any, you got any good? You got to have a story or two in there oh, I from got your stories. time. Stories.
1: I got a PG
0: thirteen or better, I yeah, guess, for the yeah, podcast.
1: No. <laughs> oh, we had a funny. though, you know we, the we, one time we did go to jail, and it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny because we were on the train, and and uh, my brother woke up, and a dead owl had landed on his head, like an owl <laughs> had run into the train and landed on his head, and we we're like. Oh, that's got to be some kind of a Native American omen of something. <laughs> be good. And then we like, so we were riding along that morning, and we look over the train, and we see like these railroad workers, and they looked up and they saw us, and the guy went pointed at us and goes, anyway, "Oh, we know that's a bad, <laughs> <we know laughs>
0: that's, that's a
1: bad omen. The old throat.
0: that's a bad universal human omen." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so anyway, they slowed the train down and they were searching the train. We tried to sneak it, you know, but we ended up getting caught and pulled off. And uh, And we had considered trying to, you know, sneak off the train earlier, but we didn't. We're like, well, we'll just see what they have to say. They pulled us off. They were all pretty disappointed because it was a canine training day and they had nine canine units and they were all, we all wanted our dog to get the first bite or whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a good story.
1: (laughs) And then, you know, the little saga went on, but it was, uh, that was a fun, it was an experience for me too. But, uh, um, yeah you just take it all as it comes i guess um the it was a definitely an experience of freedom that was unlike you know unlike anything you'll ever get outside of until i went to live with like the natives and things like that it's a it's a way of life that we've gained so much in our modern society but there's a lot of things we've also lost and one of those things right. is that is that freedom to just wake up in the morning? You don't have a schedule. You decide what you need to do and kind of do it on your own accord. And uh, and that and that's a that was a fascinating freedom to experience, you know. And especially at a fairly young age, you know, it made it hard to not have that in some way.
0: Right, right. Well, it shows you how big the world is, too. Right, it gives you the, there's a the 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 idea that the possibilities. Are endless, and I think so many people stay in a bubble their whole life and they don't realize just how big the world is and yeah. what the possibilities are. Which actually takes me to my le- my next forced to gump type question to you <laughs> How in the world did you end up spending however many days, months, weeks, whatever it was, with a pe- a tribe of reindeer herders in uh, up Siberia? Like, yeah. what the heck?
1: <laughs> Long story overall. So, to try to keep it as brief as possible, but I had a uh uh, you know, I grew up with a brother who was adopted
0: But by the, by the way, not to interrupt you, but you realize that my audience right now, they don't even believe that you're real. <laughs> they, they don't, they're like, there's no way this guy has had this many different stories <laughs> like this, but it's true. He's real. So carry on. <laughs> right out
1: yourselves. The, uh, no, I, uh, had a brother who was adopted, you know, and when he grew up, he wanted to find his biological family or whatever mom and thank her for giving him up or whatever. And then, uh, So when he did it turns out he had a brother biological brother who was heading to russia and that was kind of the way i heard about what was going on in russia and that was a orphanage was being built over there and they needed help there's there's a missionary guy over there so i went over there to help out that missionary but i didn't want to live with him because i wanted to live with russians and so he pretty quickly sent me to a neighboring village and i When I had gone, I felt like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, that that was my purpose and that's what I was going to be doing. So I spent, I bought, I just bought a ticket for a full year and I went and lived in that neighboring Russian village for most the better part of that year with that family. And it turns out those guys that I lived with had been in prison with a native and they would always recommend like, oh, you got to meet our buddy up north, you know, in Siberia. And I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to. And eventually he came through uh, this, you know, I had, uh, in total i spent about five years in russia but probably my second year in that native guy came through and i met him and he was a fur trapper up north so he invited me to come up with him and you know learn the ropes fur trapping and i did that for a season with him and then he took me basically out on a snowmobile drove me off into the forest and we came up to these teepees (laughs) and he dropped me off there it was all his cousins they're just like nomadic reindeer herding natives. And I didn't even know people live like that. And uh, how how old are you at this point? I was probably 25,
0: maybe at that
1: point. (laughs) This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And he dropped me off at that teepee and because I'd lived with him for a good amount of time, you know, and fur trapped with him and stuff. He basically was like, Hey guys, this guy's awesome. Take him in. And then he took off. And so I was just out there with those guys. And I, you know, it's such a cool way of life. And it was a, I've kind of fell in love with the people and the way of life pretty quickly and ended up spending a yeah, three years out there with them on and off.
0: Holy cow. Oh yeah, you know, I just went to build an orphanage in Russia and live with some guys who had been in prison. <laughs> speaking of speaking of the Gulag Archipelago, yeah, these guys, uh, you know, so they taught me how to build a Russian prison shank and then they, they sent me out here with cousin Igor, who's up here in the Siberia. So I lived in a tent with some reindeer herders and yeah, I learned how to Dude, what is going on here? This is insane. This is uh They got some good stories from the Siberian
1: prison too, but I won't relay though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I'm here's what I'm gathering. If you've not watched season six of Alone, I will tell you, clearly this guy had an unfair advantage based on his life story. <laughs> Nobody could compete with you. you. You were like on a picnic out there compared to what you'd already lived through.
1: Yeah. I, and it actually there was a I mean not the anyway, there, there was an aspect of it that felt very familiar. Like I, it didn't feel like a, it, I, it was an awesome experience. I loved it as I loved living with the uh, natives and stuff, but I wouldn't say it was life changing in the way it was because it was things that I had been through previous prior. So even at the end of the show when the show ended, you know, two days later I was back home with the family and it just felt like a normal, you know, it felt like a normal trip back from Russia. It wasn't like a, something that really was culture shock and wow, I've been alone. Right. you know, like it was, it was interesting. Again, I guess having prior experience in that realm had given me uh, the perspective that we're talking. Well, and
0: here's what I wanted people to take from that. Cause as I was processing that, trying to empathically live through your shoes (laughs) through some of those stories, I thought to myself, so many people are afraid to take risks because they're afraid of failing. Mm. But you took, risk after risk that most people would deem risky, like going Mm -hmm. to Russia for five years and living in Siberia with reindeer herders and all this. But those life experiences, because you're willing to put yourself out there, they prepared you for the next chapter in your path to purpose.
1: Right, right.
0: And if you hadn't had those experiences, you might have been more anxious when something else came your way and not really dealt with it the same. And so I think about how our, our life's experiences, if we're willing to take the risk to step out and put ourselves out there and and not be afraid of failing, it it usually provides us with not just perspective, but with experience that allows us to overcome the hurdle that's coming our way, you know, in the the coming year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, I remember thinking that pretty, uh, er, you know, early on, like, Hey, I'm just going to say yes to all these experiences. And, and you know, now's the time, I guess. And I, uh, and I did. And, and it was interesting. I I learned so much and it did turn me into the person that I am now. And I also, you know, I remember finding myself out there riding on a reindeer. I, this is a thought I just remember having specifically, like I was out in the middle of nowhere in Siberia, that's riding this reindeer. And we had to get across this flowing like whitewater rapids. And I like, you know, marched up, I was standing next to my reindeer at the time and like got him next to the river and then jumped on his back. And you know, he went across and he fell in the river and I like hung onto his neck and he stood back up and got out on the other side and I dragged him out of the river and, you know, and we made it across and I was like, wow, you know, that was like felt life and death or whatever, but we made it. And it was just awesome. And then I was like, that's funny because all these experiences are happening, but they're just in my memory now. And, right, and, uh, it kind of also started to dawn on me, you know, this was later on. I was like that, that experience isn't all an all end all either. You know, like we have to, gather that experience for an intended purpose or whatever like you're saying and uh and so yeah that's how the path goes i guess but it was interesting you know
0: <laughs> so you know you're telling that story and for all those listening if you're like me i was thinking at the end of that story, I would have smacked that reindeer and said, I thought you could fly <laughs> Yeah, yeah <totally. laughs> as a kid. I grew up. What, what's the deal? You almost drowned us. Finally proven wrong. <laughs> so it, it, it was a Siberian reindeer. It wasn't a North Polean reindeer. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was holding out one last bit of hope <laughs> I into the river.
0: So there's a couple other key things I want to talk to you about. Um, one is you mentioned the word earlier resiliency. Mm-hmm. And talk to those out there who right now are feeling like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this presidential election. I'm done with this, this, this pandemic, this virus. I'm done with this job. I'm on video conferences every day for eight hours. Like where does, what does resiliency mean to you? And, and how can, can someone actually, can they, can they develop resiliency as a skill?
1: Oh, yeah, you can definitely improve your ability to be resilient. It's a yeah, that's an interesting question. When you pray, you know, when we're speaking to so many people, it's like everybody's in their own situation. And like, some people might need to choose the path of, hey, I need to just change this up. Because this is, you know, this is not the path for me. And some people do need to like, stick through it, buckle down, <laughs> stick there. And that's everyone to figure out. But uh there were things that when I think of resiliency I think uh, and I think of it again in my own context think of things that were an advantageous to me when I when I was when I required it and I think uh I think having like there's a lot of things you can work on on the mental side of things there's of course all the physical things you do what you can do to get it but then on the mental side I think you want to make sure Like on alone, it was very. I was very conscious of the fact if I had a lot of skeletons in my closet when I'm out there, like they're all going to come up rearing their head, and it's going to take. They're just going to eat you up from the inside. So I I imagine now in a modern setting, you have a lot more distractions, and you can kind of not think about that bad relationship or this guy, or you know, it's a. You can keep moving, but when things start to get rough all those are going to at some point rear their heads. And so I think dealing with those issues before you're in a situation where you're required to be resilient would be a good idea. You know?
0: That's really good. That's really good advice. I don't think maybe we didn't, maybe people don't think about it that way because you're training yourself for a moment of resilience. And if you've got the wrong preparation, like anything in life, right. Uh, your execution when it's time to be resilient might wane a little bit, right?
1: Uh, yeah. It was something I definitely noticed. You get real, a lot deeper in your thoughts. And so you're able to figure, you know, you remember relationships in the past and this and that you may have done right or wrong. And it's uh, important that you don't sit out there and beat yourself up for something you did wrong.
0: I, I was curious when I was thinking about the concept of, of the show alone, mm-hmm. uh, different than Naked and Afraid, because you, you got to wear clothes the whole time. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not quite as much viewership, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but um, <laughs> no, but I was thinking to myself, man, if I had to spend 77 days alone, which is what you did to win the show, um, in some ways there's a freedom because so many times in our modern culture, we're walking around trying to be somebody we think others want us to be, mm-hmm. and that weighs us down so much we don't even realize it's happening. Yeah. But when you're out there, and there literally is nobody else around. At some point, was was there a moment of, now you don't strike me as somebody who's that worried about what other people think of you, but at the human level, most of us have some degree of self-preservation when we think about that. Is there just a freedom out there where you're just like, you know what? It's just me and nature and the creator. I can just be me. There's
1: an absolute freedom out there. That's one of the things that that is most uh, striking about that way of life. Um, and, and man, it is it is just freedom on not only it's just the freedom to do what you want when you want when you need to to confront the issues as you see fit and uh to your best you know you don't have to try to think about what everyone else how they want to handle it it's just you go out and you handle it this way and and then and uh, when you don't do it right, it's on you. And when you do it right.
0: <laughs> no, I, what I noticed was, though, you, you not once did you say to yourself, yeah, I bet that moose is really judging me for that missing him with that shot. <laughs> like, you, you know, you, you don't really care what anyone's thinking right, about right, you. Right. You just care about what needs to be done. Right. And- Absolutely. A very, very uh, direct
1: relationship to your uh, environment.
0: But what struck me about that was the other contestants though is and i don't I know this isn't me judging any other contestants it's I think the human condition is if if you show up to an isolation with a bunch of junk in your brain trunk like you're talking about with the skeletons, then you'll never survive it, so you, you've got to prepare yourself to be comfortable with who you are and I, that, I think that's the thing that struck me about you is you seem to be very comfortable, not that you're perfect, none of us are, but you're comfortable in your own skin right, and I think that allows you to be have perspective and be resilient and there's so many so many positive things about that that so many of us kind of are weighted down
1: by keep moving forward in a positive direction right always be proactive always move forward but like you said we're all in the human condition and we're all making mistakes and messing up and you have to have as much grace for yourself as you would hope someone else would have (laughs) for you you wow that's good it's like uh so you're right it is yeah, but you just, hey, you made a mistake. What can I do next time to improve on that? You know, and and not judge yourself because you're a person, whatever. You know,
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> how did you use so? So, I'm, I'm, I'm I tend to be a, a little bit of a goofball. You probably got that oh, sense yeah. already. And, and uh, my team knows it. And, and I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm and I like <laughs> to joke around, and have fun. And you know, life's too short, right? To take, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To take myself too seriously. How, how did you use humor? Oh. Cause I get a sense that you're kind of like that and, and and that you probably used your own humor. Oh, for sure. You probably cracked yourself up many times out there. What, what were some of that? What was your,
1: that's funny. You should ask. Cause that was when I was watching the show, that was the hardest part for me as a contestant to watch is that they made me look like I was suffering a lot more than I was, but I was really tra- having a lot of fun out there. I did some, I did a lot of so later on as the as the weather got colder and there was less activity you could be involved in, I started to use a camera and do a bunch of stupid skits. You know, I think the rabbit fur vest made it on, but then I did some really elaborate like Normandy reenactments and some like, <laughs> just stupid. And then at the end of the day, I'd go back and I'd be able to watch like my, you know, oh Normandy reenactment. And it was all and crack myself out, stuff like
0: right.
1: Try to play, you know, five finger filet with a knife and, and do. <laughs> stupid stuff on camera that I just knew when people watch the show would be like, what a moron.
0: What's he doing? (laughs) Right. But you're you're probably thinking, hey, this is going to have great entertainment value, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. It's entertaining me and it'll be funny to watch on TV. But no, a lot of that stuff didn't make it on there. But it was, that's funny you should say that because that was a big part of what I was doing out there was just trying to stay in, you know, positive spirits. And by doing that, you try to keep yourself entertained. That's what I would do. And then after you, after I filmed some stupid skit or something, then I would be able to sit there and think about, oh, what else should I do? You know, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you, get right. Yourself entertained. you don't want to get bored. You don't want to allow boredom to uh, be your uh, modus operandi or whatever.
0: Well, it's tough because I'm, and I don't know what the, I don't know what the longest anyone like that has ever survived alone game show or otherwise, but because, because he's humans, it's been studied, right? We need each other. We need to be around other humans. Yeah. Uh, But in the interim, when you're, when you're isolated.
1: Hey, there's just days you just got to, yeah, entertain yourself fast. But I will say something that was super interesting as far as the isolation thing is I found, I mean, I would have hated it if I knew I was the last person on earth. It's like, you might not even bother, you know what I'm saying? But if you, (laughs) because you know, at some point it's going to end, it would, uh, it was really fascinating to see how, how mentally you're, so my dreams were a lot more vivid and they were meaningful even though i've probably never had a meaningful dream in my normal life they're just random and stupid and then but then out in the forest it's like wow you know that's just what i needed or it'll like be i'll be hanging out with people that i was missing you know at very uh it was something i would look forward to when i went to sleep like oh who am i going to see tonight and really to do, do and it was it was interesting to to then think oh that's probably why people in the past put so much more weight on their dreams because they probably actually were relevant to the situation they were in in some way.
0: Yeah, they weren't all clouded with a bunch of other junk from the day, right?
1: Distractions and random gibberish that I get now when I have a dream. But it's, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's it's uh anyway, that was really interesting to see on that front on the I forgot how we just got there, but yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's it was it's about you being a moron on camera with your on oh, right. display and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Being alone, just being alone, how your body copes with it,
0: yeah. Right, right. No, that's good. So let's talk a little bit about adaptability. And I know it's one of your your key survival traits. And it's yeah. one that I uh, the people that I've been around all the way back from the farm, right? I mean, who I grew up on is people that are adaptable- um, one, they tend to always have a pretty positive mindset, but they're also very creative. It seems like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, how does adaptability come into play? Not just as a survivalist, but in life for you, like, what what do you think about adaptability and what can people do to, to think more about adaptability in their own life?
1: Yeah, it is. It's a, uh, it's a very important trait and it, it's nice to sometimes speak about it in such a simple context as the show, because it gives you a framework but the so like on the show i go out to there expecting you know i really thought i would most likely hunt bears collect berries and get a lot of grouse and fish when i got there all of those were not options there were no bears the berries were burned up and the fishing spots weren't very good so it's just like oh wow like you can either be really upset about the situation you're in, which I was actually upset temporarily you know, early on. You're just like, what in the world? But, or you adapt to what you've been given, you know, the lo- you know, in that my case, the location and, and come up with a new strategy and, and adapt it. I mean, it's absolutely uh, a critical skill. It's really easy, easy to get set on your plans and what you're going to do. I think there's some, Pretty famous sayings about how that goes (laughs) but you know like the i think uh being flexible with your plans even on the you know i think it's really important and i think you need to so you make you make plans and then you hold them loosely and you allow the situation (laughs) to occur and not fluster you and and adapt as the situation require.
0: Yeah. I I love, uh, I love the verse in, in, in the book, uh, in in the good book in Proverbs, it says man man makes his plans in his heart, but the Lord orders his steps. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. And and I love that. It's kind of what you're saying is I think it's good to make plans, but we also have to recognize that if, if if the way we have designed the plan is the only way we think it's possible, then we're going to constantly be disappointed because life is always going to throw us curveballs.
1: Yeah, You can't always force your plan on the world. You have to allow, you know, you just have to kind of flow with it a little more. <laughs> and it'll it'll save you a lot of that head banging
0: against the wall trying to force it through. That was meant that was meant for all the control freaks out there listening today. Right. <laughs> just <laughs> it's okay to make your plans, but be a little more flexible and adaptable when things don't always go the way you intend them to go. Fine line to walk, I guess. You know, it really is, because I think there's a difference between being a constant pushover and never having an opinion and never doing something and preparing. I think preparation and planning is critical for anything yeah. that you do in life that's successful. But what I found is the leaders that I've worked with over the years and the people that I've admired, you know, they'll have a strategy and they'll have a plan. But they're really quick to pivot when they need to pivot yeah, from an yeah. adaptability standpoint. Um, in this case, it could be a business, but in your case, it could be life or death and survival. Right. <laughs> right, right. Right.
1: Right. Similar. Similar <laughs> requirements.
0: Now, let me ask you about um, one other trait or quality or characteristic that I is near and dear to my heart. Um, and it's, it's ingenuity. Yeah. Um, I, I'd really firmly believe that we were created by the creator to be creative. Right. right. And, and, um, and I love my team jokes cause we, I call the sh- my shower at home, my Eureka tank. Yeah. Cause I get <laughs> every great idea I've ever had. I think I've got it in the shower. Oh yeah. That's my sauna for me. Yeah. I take a sauna. And, uh, there must be something about the steam, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but when it comes to your experience with ingenuity, um, is it something that you feel like you just have, or something that you've developed, or is it a combination of? Just-
1: That's an interesting. It's really uh, like I don't consider myself a creative necessarily person, and in, in that I don't play instruments like we're talking about. Right. Not, not an artist, but uh, it was interesting out. So on in a simple like survival type situation where you can see. Uh, in that situation, I am creative. So when you are in your element or whatever, or when you're uh, really confronting the problems that come your way, it's amazing the ingenuity that can be tapped into on that front. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because you can, uh, that's where creativity like developed, you know, people trying to solve their problems out in the forest, surviving, and you trying to outsmart this animal or trying to come up with a way to catch these fish. And and it was interesting to see, like, you know, I'd build that little, build a platform to keep my moose meat away from the Wolverines. And, and you think, oh, wow, that, you know, I'd create a little ladder, a system, my own, you know, I just thought of it on top of my head. And it was like, oh, wow, that's a expression of creativity that is confronting the problems that I have in front of me and, and solving them. And, tapping into that is it's it's can sometimes be difficult in a more complex society or whatever and and it's and it's fascinating to be in an environment where you see that ingenuity like blossoming and developing and you kind of relate it to more to your overall life you know like and then you come back to your modern world and you get issues and problems and you and you are more apt to think creatively and out of the box on how to how to solve them you know
0: I love what you said there. I hadn't thought about that way before is that your environment matters. And and I think the environment for for if you're walking in your purpose and you're surrounding yourself with the environment that your your superpowers are activated in. Right right right. Then your ingenuity will probably be activated at a higher yeah, level. I'm in
1: the right place for your skill set and your giftings, you know, like you said. Yeah. yeah, your purpose. Uh that is really where you will thrive. And when you're in a place where you're naturally inclined to thrive whether that be in business or whatever your creative juices are going to start flowing so it, maybe that's earlier we were talking to people about um but oh no your purpose or whatever but maybe that is part of of knowing when to apply resilience when it's uh are you are you in a place where you can thrive like creatively right. or you know is this is this your place or are you just slogging through and maybe right it's not worth it. You know, <laughs> you need to find your purpose, like you said.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And I think what I've discovered is, is that most human beings, their purpose involves in some way uh, adding value to the greater good, whether it's to an individual person or to a groups of people or just to society. If you find something you can do to add value to other people, all of a sudden, all these different gifts start activating inside of you that didn't even know you had, which causes just ingenuity to start to skyrocket.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, If you can approach it from that angle, uh, again, the kind of an angle of where there's some aspect that love is being uh, expressed through your (laughs) activities, (laughs) whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah, and I think that to me with ingenuity, whether it was the person who discovered how to make the first axe handle in in the stone axe or whether it was the iPhone, I love the idea that somebody sat and said, hey, I need to do this, but I don't have anything to do this with. Yeah. What could I come up with?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so, it is awesome.
0: It's, it's cool. And that could be, today, it could be a- Y'all benefit from that. Yeah. yeah, it could be a business application or it could be a physical, personal, it doesn't matter. And I think What we find is, is people get stuck and unwilling to change, and this whole thing's about driving change, right, mm-hmm. is I think they get stuck for a couple of reasons. One is the fear. They're either afraid of failing, they're afraid of what other people might think if they fail, um, and, and so if you don't go and put yourself out there, you don't, you now you don't have to go be a hobo and ride the rails or run and live right. with reindeer in Siberia or be right. on, a, right. on a survival show, but you probably do have to think about, have I challenged myself to break Get
1: out of your comfort zone?
0: Yeah. When's the last time I did something that I was, that made me uncomfortable.
1: We're kind of slaves to our comfort and it, and it can really, it, it can really be to your long-term detriment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely. But I think it just kind of, It starts to feed on itself, and the next thing you know, then you start to become satisfied with status quo, and then what is it? Ten years later, you realize you've not done anything significant.
1: Yeah, your status quo isn't what you want in your
0: life. Right. And then you're depressed, and you start blaming everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. When all you had to do was read a book on World War II or (laughs) the Gulag Archipelago when you were a teenager, and you would have had this amazing life of survival and adventure. Uh, well well Jordan, as we wrap today, first off, um, thank you for being on the show again. Um it's been an honor. And I want to send some some folks your way here. So if you guys, the audience want to go out to jordanjonas.com, dot com, you can find a lot of cool information just about his story, his experiences, also some survival. He's got some survival courses, he's got some cool things on right. there. You can follow him at I believe it what's your handle? Hobo Hobo Jordo or something like that?
1: Yeah, that's right. Hobo Jordo. <laughs> I can't imagine where you came up with that. (laughs) I didn't come up with it.
0: (laughs) Somebody else did. Okay, well, great. Well, um, thanks again for being on. I know your story actually, though it may seem like a simple survival show, Now that I think people get to hear the story behind the story, it's even more impactful and I think inspirational to a lot of people to be willing to step out of their comfort zone and try something new. So thanks for being a part of the show today.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate the invite and it's been a lot of fun.
0: All right, we'll catch up with you next time. And I can't wait to see you on another show soon because I'm going to have you back on here. All right. (laughs) to Tell about that experience. All right, brother, have a great rest of your day.